So, great big good morning. Wonderful to have you folks joining us, wherever you're joining us from, whether it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I know someone sent me a little text message saying how much they enjoy having church on their Monday commute. So whatever day of the week you're joining us, it is just my honor and privilege to join you here today and to get a chance to share with you one of my favorite messages of Christmas, you know, the message of joy. Now, I want to say before we light the Advent candle around joy, I want to add a real important disclaimer. Joy is not always easy. And joy is not something I think that's like a switch. So we walk over to the wall, we fumble around, we find the joy switch, and we turn it on. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, there's no doubt some of you who are watching today and you're thinking, boy, Chuck, my life is anything but filled with joy today. And and so I want to honor that. And I don't pretend that by the end of the service you're going to be smiling, though we have some wonderful music which will make you smile. It's about saying like, okay, so how do we hold even the hard parts of life within the context of joy? Because I want to be clear, I really do believe joy is very different from happiness. They're two somewhat distinct things. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. If you're joining us from home and you are lighting Advent candles, today is week number three. So we're going to go over here and talk a bit about just just the Advent overview. I love this idea, folks, and I'm going to keep on hammering at it because I think it's so incredibly important. Christian, you know, the, the, the ancestry of Christianity, they're trying to say, how can we explain it? How can we make this real to people? Especially at Christmas. So for hundreds of years, they've said, well, it comes down to four things. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Hope, peace, joy, and love. We started out a few weeks ago looking at hope and, and kind of that idea of hope and imagination and how, and I love this idea, right? That we're really asked to imagine a new world. Again, not detaching us from the world that is, but just as a call that just keeps us just straining a little bit to what's better, what's higher, what's more important, what's more loving. And then the second week, last week, we looked at the idea of peace. And we talked about finding peace in the leap, not in the landing. And I love the way these two go together, these two lights. The idea, right, the idea that that one form of light is aspirational. It's something we can reach and stretch for. And think of our hands there. Another is much more about our feet. How do we ground ourselves in a peacefulness around life? And there's a miracle, I think, that can start to happen when we allow our lives to start to emerge out of that out of that liminal space between those two things. And that's, and that's this little space of joy right here. A third candle. And one of the things I've been thinking a lot about with joy and about today's service is this idea. Try this on for size. Let me know if this fits. I think about the strongest people I know. And I've been blessed to know a lot of really strong souls. Far stronger than me, that's, that's for sure. Been blessed by that. 
And it's interesting, those strong souls always have an element of joy to them. Isn't that interesting? Like, like think of the people you might most want to follow in life. Yep, they're disciplined, they're direct, they're honest, and there's also just a little bit of joy in their life as well. I love this beautiful quote from the Bible, and it, it, it talks about joy and it talks about strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So maybe I can't access joy, but maybe I can access God's joy. And with that joy, with that joy, folks, we can find strength. Just think of the simple equation, joy is strength. Imagine coming out of this service here today with that just as an idea. Yeah, joy really is strength. How do I live into that? I think so much of that, it's like, it's like watching the lights. You know, last night, as, as joining with many families do this time of year, our big old you know, clan, we went out, and, uh, you know, we went out, we enjoyed at time looking at lights at night. Many of us enjoy that as well, no matter whether you're watching us from California, Florida, or, or Maine, I'm sure you have enjoyed looking at Christmas lights. And I think there's part of it, of those lights that reminds us of these things, that helps us to think about these things, and helps us to think about how these things can work in our lives. So let's talk about this light that we call joy and, and how it can work in our life, even if we're not particularly feeling it today, how it might be able to work and what it might be able to actually do. So with joy, the question we're going to look at today is one on how do we welcome life? How do we welcome life? It's a weird admixture, isn't it? Like, life is not all about uh, sitting there passively, just letting life happen to us. That's no fun. Matter of fact, it's boring. And at the same time, there's so many parts of life that do kind of end up happening to us. You know, that we don't choose. That we don't make decisions about. And a lot of those pieces tend to be really hard and challenging. And that's why I'm deliberately using the story welcome here. Because I feel like there's, there's a couple of parts. There's one part of us that can very warmly welcome life. And there's definitely, definitely moments there. You, you know, um, we're out with our family looking at these beautiful Christmas lights. We're seeing it at a beautiful venue. And, and, you know, somebody in the family says something a little untoward. You know, I don't know if your family's the same way. My family is great at knowing exactly what button to push. And it was just that one little moment. And, and just realizing, like, oh, I, I could live in that, that, that little, or I could live in what was just a beautiful evening. Now, that's our choice. I want to talk about a place we can stand that's not so good. We're going to look at the Christmas story. We're going to look at it from two ways to welcome life. One way is the wise men who are able to just welcome life in. 
And another is King Herod. So, so King Herod, metaphorically in the story, and literally in the story, he's the bad guy. He's whatever uh, movies you think of, he is the bad guy. He shows up. He's a destructive force in the Christmas story, very destructive force in the Christmas story. And, and people know this. I, I got this text message a few weeks back at New Church Live. This text message where we were talking about, like, what, was our, what did we imagine and hope for Christmas? I imagine and hope that pl Herod plays a very teeny tiny part with our family, friends this Christmas time. I know he is part of the story, but I hope he doesn't have a main role <laughs> and everyone can enjoy being together. Just a supporting role, not a main role. I love that, right? Because, because Herod, it just needs said, I, I think it needs said really every single Christmas that Herod just is part of the story. He just is. Of course it's going to show up. And we still can celebrate, we still can bring in joy, we still can, can welcome Christmas with, with arms wide open, this new advent. And as the musicians come out here for our first song, I just want you to think about how wonderful that can be. Understanding Herod's part of the story, and when I come back, I want to talk about all the parts he plays, and then understand that we're always given the freedom to welcome life, to welcome Christmas in a brand new way. morning. You all might remember my friend John Gilbride. Hello. Going to play today. Yeah. Of his love and 
and wonders of His love, and wonders, wonders of His love, and wonders and wonders of His love. Thank you. Hey, New Church Live, this is Angela. I just wanted to invite you all to consider making a donation to New Church Live. We rely on the support and generosity of this congregation to fuel everything we do here. And one of the best ways to support New Church Live is to set up a reoccurring donation to have sustaining support that um, comes throughout the year. I've done that and it just takes one less thing off my plate that I have to think about, but I also love knowing that on a consistent basis, I'm supporting New Church Live and all the programs and initiatives that I love. Um, so you can do that by going to our website, you can use the QR code that's on the bottom of the screen, or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977. And all of those places, you can set up a reoccurring donation. And of course, you can always make a one-time donation, but we encourage you to consider um, the support on an ongoing basis of a reoccurring donation. So thanks, everyone. Sorry for blowing it for a second week in a row. I just got too excited to get back out and, and preach. Thank you, Angela, for that announcement. And we really do appreciate your financial support. It, it allows us to do what we do, you know? It really does, so we deeply, deeply appreciate that. I need, a, I need like a big stoplight or something over there to keep me off stage. So, so that song, isn't that a beautiful song, Joy to the World, right? You ready for this? Listen carefully. Herod hated that song. Herod hated that song. Now, of course, that song wasn't written in Italian. No, I know it. But he hated that song. There's nothing joyful to be had. So let's, let's talk for a minute about that piece of the story because it's, it's a very real piece of the story that, that's worthy for us to talk about. I, I want to give you a little background about Herod, and then I actually want to read to you part of the story here. So, so Herod... Uh, it's interesting, again, I'm an old history teacher from back in the day, and it's, it's interesting, right, looking at where the historical record matches up with the Christmas story, and it does around Herod. It doesn't, it doesn't show up historical record like a birth certificate, like Jesus did not have a birth certificate, and anyone who says, well, why didn't he have a birth certificate? Because no one did, and, and he was a peasant. Like, nobody cared about a peasant having a baby. It just was not going to be recorded in the history of the Romans. They were about gods and emperors and, and powerful rulers. They were about people like Herod. So we actually do have records of Herod. You can actually go and see some of the amazing things that he built. And by all accounts, the guy was a complete jerk. He was power hungry. He was ruthless. We know that from the historical record. You know, he died a miserable death because he was a miserable man. And I want to talk, like it's that, that little Grinch part of us that, that we all have if we sort of lightened it down a little bit. So I want to read to you that story. And again, be thinking about this story and be thinking of Herod as the most powerful and feared man in this area at that time. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the time of King Herod, Wise men, sometimes they're called magi, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked. Now, even there, folks, is significant because these were not part of the chosen tribe. These were literally outsiders who had gotten the good news and they're bringing it back, quote-unquote, inside. 
and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, which is why we put stars on Christmas trees, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. So there's this kind of fear of uprising, fear of civil war. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, which were sort of his version of wise men, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, they replied. They looked at a prophecy. They said, Bethlehem's where this is supposed to happen. Then, King, then Herod called the Magi secretly, the wise men, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me. And this is one of the most cynical, disingenuous lines in the entire Bible. So that I too may go and worship him. He had zero interest in that. He had interest in killing him. No interest in worshiping him whatsoever. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, I love this word for today. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Mm. They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down to worship him. Then they opened their treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another way. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful concept there, right? So a few things about Herod that I think are fascinating. And folks, I'd ask you like to hold these literally, but also hold them a little bit like curiously. Yeah, you know, isn't that interesting? I say this every year because it's really important. Herod is the only person, the only person, in the Christmas story who does not move. No movement by this guy. I think there's something significant in that. And again, remember, the Bible is written to sort of fire our spiritual imagination, to get us to really think. I think that's something it's asking us to think about. And why did he call the wise men in to talk to them about the star? Ready for this answer? Because he couldn't see it. Simple reason, he couldn't see it. That goodness, that light, that truth, that joy, joy to the world that others could see, he was absolutely blind to. Now, what is the kind of thing that, that he actually could see? Well, he could see his suspicions. He could see his worries. He could see what he saw of threats to the throne. This New Yorker cartoon, I think, think pulls it together well in terms of what he saw in life. The New Yorker cartoon reads, I don't care who's naughty or nice anymore. I only keep track of who's, tr who's crossed me. I think that was the kind of record keeping he was really interested in that he was really looking out there for into the world. So, of course, folks, he lives a very lonely life. A very suspicious, paranoid life. I think that should resonate with all of us, too, right? We all have that little part that just is forever feeling threatened, forever feeling a little bit paranoid, Forever feeling others are out somehow to get us. It's not a really great way to live. 
It's not a great way to live. Now, the wise men were something, were something different. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing to think about with the wise men in terms of how they saw the world. Here's, here's a piece that, that it's, it's like, it's, it's easy to read, but then we, but when we really think about it, it's got incredible depth to it. It's this idea here, the abundance of joy in heaven grows from the fact it is shared. Grows from the fact it's shared. Folks, joy, joy is so based. I mean, and, and I don't even have the right words for this. I'm sure somebody's going to talk to me after church, and they're going to come up with the perfect way to say this, which I would love for you to share that with me, because I, I wrestle with this. I know this to be true. I have a hard time with words around it. It's, it's this idea that, that joy really exists in the sharing of that joy. Joy really exists in the sharing of that joy. And, and listen to this, and allow this to sink in. I hopefully, like, Lord, let my words be slow so we can all listen. Heaven is heaven because the joy there is shared. Heaven is heaven because the joy there is shared. Which means... If you want to experience heaven on earth, work or allow, whatever, welcome, whatever word you want to use, allow there to be a sharing of joy in your life. That's, that's profound. Because what does that mean, folks? That, that means that if we don't share joy, that the joy actually will decrease. You want to know that I'll be less joyful, share less. It's that simple. Want nobody more joyful, share more. Share more of that very joy. Now, now with that, folks, one of the things I, I think that we always have a choice on here, and this comes to the wise men versus Herod. Again, they saw the star, they're overjoyed. Herod was, nope, I saw the star, I felt completely threatened. Overjoyed versus threatened is the same as saying joy versus suspicion. And that idea of, of carrying suspicion into our life, that, that idea of, of that, that part of us that can be suspicious and cynical about a lot of stuff. We shared this in the sermon writing team, and I'm going to ask you to think about this. I think one of the challenges of when we allow sort of cynicism and suspicion to rule our life, and I think this is really important, is that we will always be right. We will always be right. When cynicism gets a hold of our souls, when suspicion starts to rule our lives, all we will see are things to be suspicious about. All we will see are things to be paranoid about. All we will see are things to be worried about. We can't see the star. We can't see the star. We can be looking right at it. And I don't think we will ever see it. So our choice then, folks, comes down to this. And literally, I was reading a piece of theology, and it said it this starkly. Like, literally, we can either share or destroy. If we don't, if we don't really work at sharing joy, 
we're going to become destructive people. It's, it's interesting right now in this day and age, like as a pastor, it's really fun having conversations and you definitely pick themes. Nobody right now, at least to me, has gone like, Chuck, I'm watching more news and I'm loving it. It just is not happening, right? And, and I think it's because we just have this feeling that, that our news and media is not sharing good news. It's not sharing joy. I mean, I've been sort of surprised by the number of people who said, I'm not watching news anymore. Now, I, I don't know whether it's the right answer or the wrong answer. It's just interesting to make note of. Because there's something about human nature that goes, that can't be life. That can't be the way it really is. And that doesn't mean we don't grieve the hard parts, like those tornadoes that, that went through Kentucky and Tennessee. It doesn't mean we don't grieve those hard parts and join with people in those hard parts or, or are purposefully bl put blinders on to not see that stuff. That's not it at all. It's understanding that there's a bigger holding that we need to go to, go back to again and again and again. Now, what is it that these wise men, that these wise men could share? Well, I, I believe the wise men really could share two things. I think these wise men could stand in a place where they could share their vision, the star. Folks, it's, it's so interesting, right? Like, you don't see, I mean, it's just so simple, right? We don't see the stars until we look up. We don't see the stars until we look up. You know, one of the most amazing star experiences of my life was with our oldest daughter and we were at a, at a, at a house that we had, and uh, this was house, many houses ago, actually. And we're sitting out on the porch, and they had these lounge chairs, and we're looking up at the sky, and it's just filled with stars. You can see the Milky Way. And we started talking about God together. Share those stars. Share what you see. Share what you know. And then what else do we share? Well, well, you know, God's given all of us gifts. I mean, I, I haven't, you know, I've never met a person, you know, and I don't believe there is a person that, I said, well, I don't got any gifts. No, they do. From a Christian New Church perspective, our job is to step close enough to them to see the gift, to recognize the gift. And maybe if you don't see it, and then maybe it's because you're too far back. Again, in that there obviously are some people that we have to keep distance from. That's part of life. That's prudent. Wise as a dove, gentle as a serpent. Big time biblical intonation there. But can we step in enough to where we start to see those gifts? And can we get to offering those gifts? I mean, just imagine we were at a place where, where we really were good at sharing stars. And we're really good at sharing those gifts. Like, here's the star, here's the gift. You know, those two together. And, and I, I see that sometimes. You know, we, we had, we've had some wonderful gatherings. And by the way, folks, for any of you online, 
If you're in town, as many people do, please let us know. Stop by. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to grab a meal with you. If we have something going on, I would love to invite you to it. We would love to get to know you. And to get a chance to watch a group of people who gather and to see these groups hosted by people who's, who's there sharing their star of what community looks like. And then, as well, everybody starts sharing their gifts. Like, there's energy there that you can't, you can't put words on. And I get to see that all the time, and I, we get to share in that all the time. And it's both an in-person thing and, as well, with online small groups, etc. we get to see those two things together. People sharing their stars and sharing their gifts. Why? Because that's what wise people do. <laughs> Why? Because that's what wise people do. Now, as we can get into that and we can understand, and, and, and folks, you know, just, just pull into that as well, you know, the idea that, that, that sharing is, is strength. You know, that's where, that's where those kinds of gatherings, however they might look, where they do just have a feeling of strength to them. Can you sense that? Just that little feel of like, yeah, I was part of that. And people were sharing their joy, stars, gifts. They were sharing it, and there was this joy present. And that joy has a robustness to it. Think of the difference between that and sitting around sharing all your paranoias together. <laughs> That's not a lot of fun. It's not a lot of joy. It's hard to imagine that anything really good will even come out of that. And then what starts to happen there, folks? Look at this beautiful line from, from Luke 22. And, and I, I like to think of these, these wise men, you know, they went back and then they heard stories about Jesus later on, just like if you'd brought gifts to this little kid, you'd be checking in on how they grew up. What did they do? Where did they go to college? And here's a beautiful story. And just, just try to listen to this story through the years of the wise men. An argument arose among them. This is the disciples. This is, you know, like 30 years after the wise men had visited Jesus. An argument arose among them, the disciples, as to who was the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, Herod, a.k.a., and those who exercise over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like this. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater the one who is at the table, in other words, sort of a formal, think of a formal meal, or the one who serves. It is not the one, is it not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one who serves. That beautiful idea of service growing out of this joy, like, we become more human when we remember that joy is one of the core human traits. And imagine serving out of an abundance of joy. Imagine sharing out of that very abundance. 
Some of the time we can't do that, but I guarantee all of you know some people who can. And they're good models. They're good people to follow because they will, they will show us the way just like the wise men showing us the way to the stable. And notice again that for Herod, those words, you know, these words here from Luke 22 would have been laughable. This would have made no sense to the Herods of the world or the Herod in our own lives. As we pull this together here, folks, I love this basic idea that what we're trying to do, and this is again courtesy of the sermon writing team, this is so big. We're trying to turn thought into thoughtfulness and hold the whole thing in joy. We're trying to turn thought into thoughtfulness and to hold the whole thing in joy. We can all have thoughts. I, I would love to do this. I wish I would do that. You know, I really should call this person or text them or do this, that, or the other thing. That's a thought. Beautiful. That's where it all starts. But can we turn that potential energy into the kinetic energy of thoughtfulness? Of those really thoughtful people in our lives. Those thoughtful people we know make such a huge difference out there. Why? Because, because they're thoughtful. Folks, here's, here's like a crazy idea, right? Some of the most beautiful people I know, they're beautiful because they're thoughtful. The same's true for you. Because they're thoughtful. A story from last night. We're driving back home from watching the Christmas lights and and I'd been in touch with, with my former football coach's daughter, and it's her dad's 80th birthday. And she said, Chuck, is there any chance you know you would do the blessing, like the family blessing for the, you know, sort of the prayer right before his big birthday meal? So, so we, we get up, literally we're FaceTiming from the car. And no, I'm not driving, just so you know. We're FaceTiming from the car, we're doing this little prayer, the family's there. And I thought, man, this is it. This is it. His daughter had turned thought into thoughtfulness. A potential energy into a kinetic energy. Wrapped it all in joy. And we all were much, much, much better off for it. Now with that thoughtfulness, you know, we bring a silence to it too. A, you know, sort of again, a silent night to it. We, we bring a silence to it. A beautiful silence that allows the other person just to be. And we're, we're like, folks, like just, just maybe this. Like, like, don't stumble so quickly towards doing that you don't find yourself, at least for a moment, overjoyed by the thoughtfulness of other people. Just let yourself be there just for a second. Sense the beauty there. The star, the gifts, I think that's the wise men seeing Jesus. And maybe this Christmas, and then we're going to have our song here, maybe this Christmas, we can live joy there in a brand new
song, right? And you realize the world we're invited to. The world all of us are asked to step into. To live into. Religion not just as a thought, but as a way of being in the world. Preach the word every day, and if need be, use words, as St. Francis famously said. And what I know we will find there, friends, if we can hold our lives with hope and imagination and peace, is we will see over time the light of joy be lit. And we'll come to understand that that joy is our hope. That joy is our strength. Again, I love that beautiful line, around strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let's think about a Christmas lived that way. Not just as a way we live up to December 25th, but maybe a Christmas celebration. Maybe. 
a Christmas celebration that actually starts on December 26th and grows. It grows. It makes a difference. And that maybe, in a small way, changes the world. Amen. What we're going to do now, friends, to close the service is I'm going to offer a prayer. Then we're going to do the Our Father prayer followed by a blessing, followed by a wonderful last song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for helping us to consider, to think about the gifts we can offer, the vision of the star, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. Thank you for helping us to consider how we can welcome life in ways that are true, a truth we know because it has that base note of joy embedded within it. Thank you for helping us to consider, Lord, ways we can move this Christmas season forward, not just to a season, but to a life. A life lived in humble service. A life lived in ways that draw us into integrity with each other and integrity into the world, integrity with you. Bless our ways, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the joy. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you home and bring you joy. Amen. ring. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, happy tonight. Walking in our winter wonderland. Gone away, is a blue bird here to stay. Is a new bird who sings a love song as we go along. Walking in our winter wonderland. We can build a snowman, snowman And pretend that he's Boston Brown He'll say, are oh, you mad? We'll say, no man no, But you can do the job by your side Later on, we'll conspire As we dream 
by the fire To face all afraid the plans that we made Walking in our winter wonderland In the middle we can build a snowbank Parson Brown, he'll say, Are you Mary? We'll say, No, man, no, but you can do the job while you're inside. Later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face out afraid the plans that we made walking in a winter wonderland to face out afraid the plans that we made. Walking in a winter wonderland Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Thank you very much. Thank you.